That is one of my favorite songs that we just sang, so I, I love to hear that song. Uh, I read a story about a radio station a number of years ago that put out, they were having a contest, and they said, what would you do, uh, what's the most outrageous thing that you do for $10,000? And so they had contestants write in, and, and then they picked a winner, and of course he had to do what he said he would do. Uh, for $10,000, he said that he would be willing to eat an 11-foot-tall birch sap tree. And uh, so he did. It took him three days, or 18 hours over a three-day period to eat uh, the roots, the, the, the bark, the branches, and the leaves and everything. And he did it, and he got $10,000. After he was finished, they asked him, they said, how are you feeling? And he said, surprisingly, I have a stomach ache. Now, uh, there's a lot of us who are willing to do some interesting things for, uh, for money. Now, there's a book that came out called The Day America Told the Truth, and somebody, uh, the author asked the question, said, what would you do for $10 million? And I thought some of the responses were rather interesting. He said 25% said they'd abandon their family, 16% said they'd give up their U.S. citizenship, 16% said they'd leave their spouse, Spouse, 10% said they'd lie under oath to get a murderer off, and then 3% said they'd give up their kids for adoption. And I, I kind of understood the last one, depending who the kids are. But, but why in the world would people be willing to do so much for money? And I, and I thought about it, and I really think that part of the reason why is because we have this uh, misperception or misconception about what wealth is and what it does for us. A lot of us think that it is something that will bring us happiness and joy in life. You know, if I just have a certain amount of money, then my life will be better and things will, things will start rolling along and all that, all that different stuff. But what I'm discovering is that wealth does not provide you with joy. And it doesn't provide you with happiness. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I'd like to try it out and just see if it might. But it, it really doesn't. But it is interesting that the way that you use what God has given you can bring you joy. Uh, Jesus said in Acts twenty-two thirty-five, he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And this message really hit home with me as I read Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle. And in the book he said, one thing that you want to do is make sure that your wealth doesn't use you, but that you use your wealth. And you want to use it in such a way that you're going to bring glory and honor to God. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus sharing with us some really solid advice about how to use our wealth, how to make sure that we don't get ripped off in this life, seeking after things that ultimately are not going to bring us joy and aren't going to bring us happiness. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look in verses 19 through 21 in just a few moments. Uh, Matthew 6, verse number 19, and in that verse it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, I believe a problem that has been around mankind since the beginning is dealing with the issue of greed. You know, so, so many of us are just not satisfied with whatever it is that we might have. You know, we have a lot, and then we say, well, I'd like to have a lot more. But if we spend our time investing in having more things and having more stuff in this world, I want you to know that, that you are investing your life, you're investing your wealth in a place that ultimately is not going to bring you dividends. And the section of scripture is from Jesus' famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. 
that we're going to be examining today. And he was sharing with people about basically how to, how to keep from getting ripped off in life. You know, how, do, how do we do that? I mean, nobody likes to be ripped off. Nobody likes to feel like that, that the things they invest in aren't going to pay dividends. And so Jesus shares with us a few ways to keep from getting ripped off. And the first one is to realize the limit of material possessions. Guys, it is very important for us to realize that there is a limit to what material possessions can do. And if you look in verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I think there's a misperception out there. Did you know, did you know that the Bible never tells people to give away everything that they have except for one time? I think a lot of times we think if you're going to be a good, solid follower of God that you have to be a person who is you know, destitute and who has nothing. Do you know there's only one time in Scripture where God told somebody, Jesus told somebody to give away all they had? Does anybody know when that was? The rich young ruler. He told the rich young ruler to give away everything that he had. Now, the reason why was not because his wealth was evil. It was because he had made his wealth his God. And if you look throughout Scripture, you're going to see in Scripture there were a lot of people who were godly people who, who were wealthy. Uh, there was Moses. You, you remember Moses? Moses was raised up in Pharaoh's household. There was Abraham. He was a very, I guess in today's terms, is a wealthy cattleman. Uh, you look in the New Testament, there was Priscilla and Aquila. They were people who were uh, wealthy, who were great supporters of the New Testament church. But the thing for them is they recognized that their wealth had limits. And they recognized that God had given them so much so that they could use what they had in order to share the glory of God with others. And so that's why Jesus said you want to make sure that you don't store up your wealth for yourselves. That word store up in verse number 19, it is the picture of a person taking their money and stacking the coins end over end just on top of each other. It was a way of, of showing everybody how much money you had, how much wealth you had. And so the reference was don't, don't hoard things for yourself because if you do, you are selling yourself short. Now again, there's nothing wrong with having wealth, but God has called his followers to use it wisely. To use it to invest in things that have eternal value. Now you might say, were you saying that it's wrong for me to, to have some savings, uh, to save up an inheritance for my children, to put food on the table and all that? I'm not saying that. I, there's nothing, nothing wrong with doing those things. But we should be looking to see how we can use what God has given us in order to make eternal investments. See, Jesus said that whenever we spend all of our time and all of our wealth and energies in the things of this world, it's a bad investment. Because the things of this world are temporary. The things of this world are passing away. Again, that's why Jesus said, he said, you, you don't want to store up your, your wealth in a place where, where moths can get to your wealth. Now, for the people Jesus was talking to, this made a whole lot of sense. Uh, the wealthy people, they would show off their wealth by wearing very fine clothes. And typically they were made out of wool. And whenever a moth got in there, that moth could, could literally eat away their wealth. It could destroy their clothing. And he said, you don't want to put your wealth in things that can rust away. And I found it interesting to discover that word rust literally means to eat. And so the, the wealth the people had back then, a lot of times they stored up their wealth with, with grain. And so whenever rodents and things like that got into their, got into their grain supplies, it could literally eat away their wealth. 
And he said, you don't want to store up your wealth in places where men can steal it. And we all know that, that men steal. That we live in a society where, where the thievery is a, is, can be commonplace. I remember watching right after Hurricane Katrina. I remember watching the people going into the stores and looting everything in the stores. And so Jesus is making a point here. He said, you don't want to store up your treasure in the things of this world, all of it. Because, guys, this world is temporary. And plus, you can't take anything that you make here with you when you die. You know, when we die, we leave it all behind. Do you all know that? Nobody's going to show up in heaven wearing an Armani suit. Yeah, nobody's going to show up in heaven and say, hey, Lord, what do you, what do you think about my, my car back there? I mean, you just show up with yourself, that's it. Let me try to give an example. There was a woman's husband who was very, very sick. He was known as being a Scrooge. And he was, he was on his deathbed, and as he was dying, he told his wife, he said, I want you to take my, take my money, put it in a huge jar, and put it on the second story of the house. So that whenever I die, I'm going to heaven, I can grab my money and take it with me. And as I said, I'd, I'll be glad to do that. So she put his money in this big jar, set it on the second story of the house. He, sure enough, he died. And a few days later, after the funeral, she happened to go upstairs, and that money was still there. And she began to fret about it. She said, I knew I should have put it in the basement. Now, now guys, you, you want to make sure that, that you don't invest your wealth in the things that don't have eternal value. So what are we supposed to do? Well, that's where Jesus discusses this in the very next verse. And so the first way to keep from getting ripped off is realize the limit of material possessions, but also understand the value of spiritual possessions. Okay, there's a limit to, to material possessions, but there's great value in spiritual possessions. In verse number 20, it says, but store up for yourselves treasures, where? It says, in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, with, with the wealth that you have, the things that, that, that bring you, uh, I guess, some comforts in your life, some things that, you know, that you're looking to help you out on a rainy day, rainy day, where, where do you store that wealth? I mean, do you stick it in a mattress? Do you put it in a tin box in your backyard? I'd say that most of us, while we, you might invest some of that, most of us are going to put our, our wealth or our money in the bank. Because it's safer in a bank. You know, it's not as easy for anybody to get their hands on it to take it away from you. And we all know this when it comes to financial matters. But a lot of us, when it comes to spiritual matters, man, we store up our spiritual treasure like it's in a tin box in the backyard instead of putting it in the bank of heaven, investing in things that have, have eternal value. Way too many things that we invest in in this life are just simply for the here and now. We invest so much of our, our thinking and our efforts in things that aren't going to last very long, that don't pay dividends beyond this life. You see, whenever we are investing all that we have in this place, guys, we are investing in something that is eventually going to fade away. Uh, we are told in Matthew, or excuse me, in First John two sixteen and seventeen, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God, he lives forever. 
One of the real struggles that we have is we all like to, to get what we want right now. And if we don't, then what we do is we, we can pull out a credit card. And we can, we can get it now to satisfy our immediate wants and desires. Now, that can be great. The problem with it is not many of us have self-control. And so we overextend ourselves. I, I read an article not that long ago that said the average American on his credit card has a balance of $8,000. And so the result of that is our, our possessions, instead of us owning our possessions, you know what happens? Our possessions own us. Our debts own us, and it brings great stress into our lives and into our families. And anytime we are investing in things, again, that don't have eternal dividends, we are being very short-sighted. We're investing in things and putting our hopes in things that are not going to pay off for us down the road. There was a man named Jeff Ferrara in Chicago, and he was trying to balance his checkbook. As he's going through his checkbook, he was having some troubles with his numbers, so he called the First National Bank of Chicago. And he called them and said, listen, I need, I need to get my balance. And so they, the electronic voice came on and told him what his balance was. His balance, according to the electronic voice, was $923 million. Now, as you can imagine, that was a, a great shock to him, uh, considering he thought that he was overdrawn. And so, uh, but the good thing is, instead of him getting excited and going out and buying a brand new house... Uh, what he did is he called the bank and said, I think y'all have made an error. As a matter of fact, that bank made the biggest error in banking history. They had given out wrong, um, uh, wrong balances to over, I think, over 800 people that amounted to over like $800 billion. And so they, they, they corrected the problem. But, you know, it would have been foolish for that guy if he would have gone out and said, man, I've got a new life here for me. And he decided to go out and buy himself a brand new car and buy himself a house and start going overseas and travel. Now, that would have been foolish for him because that money really wasn't there. That, that money really was really, it was just, a, it was a facade. And yet so much of the material things in this life, the things we go after, it's, it's a facade. It's not, it's not real. It's not something that, that provides for us. It's not something that meets our needs. Remember, you can't take any of your material possessions with you when you die. Now, you might say, well, then what can I invest in that has eternal value? You know, as believers, as followers of God, as, as a part of Village Church, what can we invest in that has eternal value? And I really think there's two basic things. One is we can invest in the Word of God. The Scripture, what the Bible says. Isaiah 48 says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Now, how long does the word of God stand and its precepts stand? It tells us that it stands forever. And so what we want to do is we want to take these precepts that, that stand forever and begin to read through Scripture and apply what God's word says to our lives because they have eternal value. The second thing we can invest in that has eternal value is people. And I find this interesting. It's because whenever God made us, He made us with souls that last forever. He made us with the potential to have a relationship with Him that will last for an eternity. Now, the question for us is, the people that we know, is, okay, guys, when we die, we, we move on from this life into a new one. The question is, will you move on into a new life with God in heaven? Or we move on into a, a new life, being eternally separated from God in a place called hell. You see, we have the opportunity to invest in people to discover Christ. 
so that their lives can be saved and rescued for an eternity. And one thing we want to do is we want to make sure we invest in wise things. And, and to do that, we have to realize the limits of material possessions, but also recognize the value of spiritual possessions. And then the last thing I want us to see is that the last thing to help us keep from getting ripped off in this life is, is don't be selfish. And don't be selfish with what God's given you. In verse 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And you say, well, what, how can I find out what my heart says? You know, how, how do I know where my heart really is? Now, I think that's a good question, but I do think that there is a very easy way to discover where your heart is. Something very tangible. And, and, I, and I'd encourage you to do it. And that is simply to, to look in your checkbook and see where you spend your money. To look at your credit card statements and see, am I, am I investing in things that have eternal value? Or am I investing in things that basically are just all about me and all about material stuff? Now, again, I, I want to, I'll say this again. There's some stuff that are necessities. You know, like clothing. I'm really glad you all wear clothing. Okay, So there's nothing wrong with having some, some basic things right now. But where's the majority of what you spend and what you use? Where is it being spent? Because what I, what I discover about myself is so much of what I do is very self-centered. So much of what I have is, is all about me. It's all about what I want and what I desire. And I'm investing so much of my things in the things that are temporary. You see, where you put your money... How you live your life speaks volumes about where your heart is. And that's something that I need to work on. Because I notice that, that I spend a lot of my energies on me. There was a mother that was making pancakes for her two sons, Ryan and Kevin. They're five and three years old. And she's making the pancakes. The boys got excited about it. And, and they begin to argue about who's going to get the first pancake. And so the mother thought this is a good opportunity for me to teach them a spiritual lesson. And so she told the boys, she said, hey, boys, she said, we're not going to do this today. She said, let's think about what we learned in Sunday school. She said, if Jesus was here, what would Jesus do? See, because I think Jesus would say, you can have the first pancake, I'm going to wait. And, uh, you know, uh, Ryan looked at his younger brother, Kevin, he said, mom's got a great point. He said, today, Kevin, you get to be Jesus. Now... Now, a lot of times, what we, what we do is, is all about us. But that is, it's so deceptive. This life is so deceptive about what's important. This life is not about you and it's not about me. This life is about God. It's about worshiping Him and bringing Him glory. It's about introducing Him to other people and using what we've been given by God in order to bring Him glory. Now, you want to develop a heart for others? Then begin by serving others. Begin by putting other people ahead of yourself. Begin by using what you have been given in order to invest in things that go beyond your life. And that will make a difference for an eternity. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 26-28, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our great treasure will lie with God. 
And our treasure will multiply as we spread it to others. To spread to others what he's so graciously given us. And that is our, our love, our gifts, our compassion, our finances, our talents, everything that he's given us. Now, I'm like, I'm like anybody else. It is very easy for me to think about me. But that's not why God put me here. He put me here to think about Him and to be a representative of Him. And to use what He's given me for His glory. Now, now how can I keep my mind focused on the things of God? And there's a few things. One, realize the limits of material possessions. Realize the value of spiritual possessions. And then don't be selfish. Realize this life's not about you, it's about God. Now, one, one final question here. Where is your heart? What is it in your life that you invest in the most? Are you investing yourself and what you have in material things, things that have temporary value, or in things that have eternal value? When you're with your children, what, what is it that you're teaching them? Are you teaching them how to survive in this world? Well, that's good stuff. But more importantly, are you teaching them about a God who loves them and who desires for them to live for Him? That is investing in something that has eternal value. Now, one of the great things is today we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper and Jesus gives us the perfect example, the great example about what, what's important, what to invest in. When Jesus invested his life here, he did not invest his life here in order to be called king. He invested his life here in order to rescue people. And as we take the Lord's Supper, what we will notice and what we're going to do is we're going to remember that Jesus, he lived his life not for him, but for you and me. And as we take the bread, it is a reminder to us that his body was given for you. Because he wanted to invest in something that had eternal had eternity in mind. And when we drink the juice, it is a reminder to us that Jesus was willing to spill and to give all that he had. That you might be cleansed from sinfulness. Now, for those of you who are believers, you can identify in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And for those of you who are not, I want you to know that today you have the opportunity to call out to Jesus and tell Jesus, Jesus, I need you to rescue me. Jesus, I desire to invest my life in you because you have eternity in your heart I'd like for us to take our time and just simply bow our heads and close our eyes. And for some of you, it might be time for you just simply to call out to God in prayer and just say, Lord, today I want to invest in you. Jesus, I pray for your, for your forgiveness. And I ask you to take my life, Jesus, and rescue me. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer or something like it, I just want to encourage you to take your bulletin and you can open it up and you can fill out that section on the right side and place that in the offering basket so we can get you information in the, in the mail about growing in a walk with Christ. And for others of you, you're, you're believers. But you've misplaced your priorities over time. As time has gone by, it's become very easy for you to, 
simply to look out for yourself, to look out only for your family, not to really think about anyone else. Guys, my challenge for you today is to say, God, open my heart and help me to have eternity in mind as I live my daily life. God, to have an open heart to where I'll see where it is that you want me to invest that will make an eternal difference in the lives of people. Heavenly Father, I thank you for I thank you for this day and I thank you Jesus that that you share with us some some treasure principles. God, the the importance of recognizing that this life is temporary but the one to come is eternal. God, may we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where rust and moth do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus, thank you for rescuing us. And I thank you, Jesus, that when you made us, you made us with eternity in our hearts. Bless this time, I pray in Christ's name.